stocks for a pledge. They push the needy aside from the road. The poor of the land are made to hide themselves altogether. Behold, as wild donkeys in the wilderness, they go forth seeking food in their activity as bread for their children in the, in the desert. They harvest their fodder in the field and glean the vineyard of the wicked. They spend the night naked without clothing and have no covering against the cold. They are wet with the mountain rains and hug the rock for want of a shelter. Others snatch the orphan from the breast and against the poor they take a pledge. They cause the poor to go about naked without clothing and they take away the sheaves from the hungry. Within the walls they produce oil. They tread wine presses but thirst. From the city men groan and the souls of the wounded cry out, yet God does not pay attention to folly. Wow. Hmm. Well, his question in verse 1 is basically, why doesn't God have regular court days? You know, Samuel kind of rode on a court circuit, but God doesn't. You know, it'd be nice if, if uh, you know, you knew there was a particular time, you know, once a month or once a year or whatever, when you could go before God and say, this is not right. You know, here, here's some things that need worked on here. But of course, that doesn't happen. Would you think that it should? You know, I mean, who is God for man to tell him how to run the universe? Now, that's what God will ultimately say. But at the moment, he wishes there was a time when God would appear in court and he could, you know, right some wrongs. And then the rest of this is evidence of that? I think the rest of this is evidence that there needs to be that because look at Job's, Job's case is not unique. Look at these terribly wicked people who oppress these poor, unfortunate, vulnerable people, and God doesn't even care. He just goes on like it's not even happening. Again, those are pretty harsh statements toward God, but it's all based on the idea that God, you know, punishes the wicked, he blesses the righteous, and the wicked are getting by with it and the righteous are suffering. So God's not living up to his end of the bargain. Is he still answering Eliphaz or has he gotten off of his branding? You know, I don't think in these last speeches Job is doing a whole lot of answering. I mean, even some early speeches, he's got sections where he's really talking to the Lord and he kind of just leaves the friends to the side. But I think communication is broken down so much, it's hardly worth even mentioning. You know, a lot of the times, whenever Job or the friends begin, they, they, they have their barbed insults for the other one. But here, he doesn't even start with any insults. He just starts directly talking to the Lord. So look at what happens. You know, here are these, you know, outrageously wicked people in verse 2 that removed the landmarks. You know what that's saying, right? Stealing their other people's property. Absolutely. You move the boundary markers and you get to have more more property, you know, on your farm. <laughs> and uh, they season devour flocks and they do this 
toward, you know, people who are poor and defenseless, like the orphans and the widows and the needy and the poor. Injustice committed against people who really don't even have the way of defending themselves is just considered about the worst outrage you can have in the Bible. And that's what they're doing. You know, they are taking advantage of these very vulnerable classes. And so in verse 5, he begins to talk about their victims. You know, as wild donkeys in the wilderness, they go forth seeking food in their activity. You know, they're like desperate people seeking some meager existence, trying to find some food. In the end of verse 5, trying to find bread for the children, their children in the desert. You know, it's trying to, to find something, you know, to, to forage, to, to feed, you know, their, their, themselves and their families. Um, in verse 7, they spend the night naked without clothing, have no covering against the cold. You know, that's pretty bad. You know, nothing even to wear. They're wet with the mountain rains and hug the rock for one of a shelter. They don't have a house. They have to hug a rock as their shelter. Um, so some will snatch the orphan from the breast. I mean, take, take him away from his mother when he's a small child. Against the poor, they take a pledge. They make the poor just go about naked without clothing. It's just, it's just horrible what they do. It's an outrage. Now, do the wicked people, you know, take advantage of these, you know, vulnerable people? because they're starving to death and they don't have any food? No, look at verse 11. They got oil. But who's producing it? These poor people that they're mistreating. You know, so they, they produce the oil and they tread the wine presses, but they can't even drink the grape juice. So these wicked people are, you know, surrounded by plenty and abundance while their oppressed workers suffer starvation and thirst. Are there not some things like that in the universe? You know, in the world? Are, are, are there some times that wicked people are really abusive and outrageous in their unjust treatment of, of poor, vulnerable people and nothing ever happens to them? And so he says... From the city men groan, the souls of the wounded cry out, yet God does not pay attention to folly. God just ignores it. It goes on like, it's okay. Comments. This kind of reminds me of Habakkuk's problem. You're right. So it's interesting that even though that's much later, he still has the same problem. Yes, you're right. I, I have Habakkuk 113 in my notes. You remember who else had a problem with this? Psalm 73. Yeah, absolutely, Asaph. Yeah. You know, the prosperity of the wicked and how they mistreat the poor, unfortunate people is a real problem for anybody who thinks God gives what's coming to them day after tomorrow. <laughs> what concept does Job have of praying to God. Like, if he wants to talk to him so badly, does he not believe that God just hears him when he does pray? Or is that just different? Well, I'm not sure I know the answer to that, but uh, certain, whatever he's been doing hasn't helped. 
Right. <clears throat> what other thoughts and comments on this? Uh, nine is a little uh, contradictory, isn't it? <laughs> At least in the new record standard. How can you snatch an orphan <laughs> from the breast? Well, I mean... It's not an orphan. Oh, yeah. Well, it means fatherless. It's uh, maybe a fatherless child. Okay. <laughs> or maybe being raised by an aunt. Uh, no, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to say an animal. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, okay, I got you. I don't have an aunt. Other thoughts, comments? All right, well, uh, 13 to 17. There are those who rebel against the light, who are not acquainted with its ways, and do not stay in its paths. A murderer rise up before it is, rises up before it is light that he may kill the poor and needy, and in the night he is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer also waits for the twilight, saying, No eye will see me, and he veils his face. In the dark they dig through houses, by day they shut themselves up, they do not know the light. For deep darkness is morning to all of them, and they are friends with the terrors of the deep darkness. Well, here's the mentality of these wicked, rebellious people. You know, they don't, they don't want the light. They don't want to know about the ways of God. They refuse to walk in his paths. You know... Here in verse 14, the murderer gets up at dawn and kills the poor and the needy. And at night he steals stuff. And what do they think about God? You think no one will see him. Yeah. Don't have to worry about God. God doesn't even know about it. So here are wicked people that get up early in the morning to pursue their evil. They continue their evil ways until way late at night, and they don't think God even knows what they're doing. <clears throat> That's how arrogant they are against God. And what does God do about it? Yeah, that's the thing. How how can these people get by with this? You know, Job is pointing out that it's not just him. There's a lot of other suffering, oppressed peoples whose attackers have not been punished. Comments and thoughts? Who is the him in verse 17? Is, is, is this uh, where you're concluding he's, he's saying that God doesn't do anything about it? Is this God in verse 17? or? Well, I would attention? say it's the wicked. That's, that's In verse 16. Well, God doesn't do anything about it from verse 15. No eye will see me. Oh, and okay. God just lets it happen. I mean, there, there, nothing's changing. It, it just continues. But I think in 16, in the dark, they dig into houses. They shut themselves up by day. They do not know the light. For the morning's the same to him as thick darkness, for he is familiar with the terrors of thick darkness. So it's like they're, you know, they do the same wicked things no matter what. No matter what time of day, 
but but they really they just keep doing it. I mean, if God was really there exercising justice, then they'd be punished. They couldn't keep doing it. You know, I mean, Job doesn't really ever get over the hump on this, in my judgment. But what Job is saying, ultimately, would almost drive us to believe there has to be an afterlife. I mean, some of these things, it is true there are wicked people who get by with it in this life and who cause other people to suffer who keep suffering in this life. And, and for God to be just and to allow those things to happen and continue and not have a final day of reckoning, that would cause us some problems. All right, anything else through 17? This next section is challenging. Challenging to understand what's being said. 18 to 25. They are insignificant on the surface of the water. Their portion is cursed on the earth. They do not turn toward the vineyards. Drought and heat consume the snow waters. So does Sheol, those who have sinned. A mother will forget him. The worm feeds sweetly till he is remembered no more, and wickedness will be broken like a tree. He wrongs the barren woman and does no good for the widow, but he drags off the valiant by his power. He rises, but no one has assurance of life. He provides them with security, and they are supported, and his eyes are on their ways. They are exalted a little while, then they are gone. Moreover, they are brought low, and like everything gathered up, even like the heads of grain, they are cut off. Now, if it is not so, who can prove me a liar and make my speech worthless? Well, do you see the problem with that? What's the general drift of that? Did you get that? The wicked are punished? Yeah, when? After death? No, I don't think so. I think it's in this lot. I think he's saying pretty soon. You know, he's all over the place. It looks like, but you know, may, maybe the wicked have a short-lived time of prosperity, but then they get what's coming to them. But what's the problem we have with that? It doesn't fit with all the other. That's not what Job says. <laughs> Job says, "Ah, oh, they they live a great life." And there's no pains in the death, and they have an honorable burial, and everybody remembers them fondly, and things like that from chapter 21. So the hard thing with this is trying to fit this in with Job. How can Job be saying this? He's saying just the opposite of what he just got through saying. You're exactly right. In verse 18, the ESV adds, You say, swift are they on the face of the waters, like he's as if he's quoting his friends all the way through verse 20. That is one of the options. Some people think that this whole section, Job is just quoting them. I think that's a challenging thing to believe because he never refutes them then. You know, how do you quote them at the end of your speech and never reply? So. It, it almost would sound like them, you know, if it if it was a speech of one of the friends. And some people have done that with this. You know, some people have said, well, 
there's some kind of a textual issue here. And really, this was a speech of a friend, and it just got kind of mixed around and put in as what was Job's speech. I mean, we don't have a third speech of Zophar. Maybe this is it. You know, things like that. But, I mean, for us just to, you know, cut and paste the text wherever we want to or however we want to, against the textual evidence, I think is also challenging for us. could be like he always says about God, how he knows that he's just and everything, so he's still trying to assert what he thinks should be true. It may be. It may be that he is he's expressing his basic belief, and maybe he's warning his friends a little bit. You know, they might be in this situation. You know, it may be that this is almost what Job wants to happen. But here's, I don't know, I struggle with this, but here's what I think. I think Job's coming around somewhat to this position. And I think the friends are about to run out of soap. You know, they're, they're kind of trailing off. And Job can express that he does believe God's going to punish the wicked. Hasn't Job always believed that, really? And so, yes, this contradicts himself, but I think this is the, the thing, you know, that Job really, really does think, even though he sees all these exceptions and he fights against it and all of that. Again, when we're under stress and pressure, how many times are we really inconsistent? Have you ever gotten in an argument, and, and before you know it, you're arguing the opposite side? <laughs> You know, sometimes we'll do that. Have you done that, Kevin? You did that earlier. Yeah, you were just doing that. <laughs> yeah, more or less. But have you, have you, have anybody done that for real? Have you recognized that yourself? For real. I think that was very real. Yeah. We will sometimes. You know, we, we're not always consistent in what we say. And... I think, I think this is just more of Job. This is what he thinks. I mean, he does believe the wicked's going to get what's coming to them. Maybe he wants the friends to think about this a little bit for themselves. I can see this in part being Job saying, you know, you better watch it. So I don't have a problem with Job, you know, kind of ending up saying something that almost seems like the opposite of what he was saying before. Well, don't, don't you see both sides of this? I mean, he, he's been saying, it looks like these guys get by with everything. And, and God doesn't see, God doesn't take care of it. But, and, and maybe, maybe Job is just uh, thinking out loud here and, and saying, I know that, that God does judge the wicked. I mean, there, there, there's, again, I, I, I think I can see two sides here. He sees wicked men getting getting by with things that you you wonder why does God allow that, but yet at the same time knowing that God does judge the wicked. Yes. So I. But it does it it does really look like he is just changing uh, horses here. Yeah. It, 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 again, it's somewhat Job's observation versus Job's belief. 
Okay, that, what, that's good. What he sees is not totally yeah. what he yeah. thinks is true. Yeah. <coughs> Maybe it's okay when we're inconsistent sometimes. Here we are saying the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to do that. If, if you don't see yourself sometimes contradicting yourself, you probably aren't thinking about it enough. Because we, we do that. And, you know, it's like everyone says, well, wow, did I just say that? I don't, do, is that what I believe, you know? Well, that, that's my, my take. But that is a really challenging passage. You know, pretty much everybody struggles with that because it just, it, it would seem a lot better if that was one of the friends that had said that. Comments, questions? We call that double talk, don't yeah. we? Yeah. And then that... Uh, 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 what makes that interesting to me is verse 25. Uh, after he says this, he says, Now, if that's not so, who can prove me a liar? He almost changes gears in 21. <clears throat> Doesn't it seem that through the rest of that, he's not saying the exact same thing that he was saying from 18 to 20? Yeah. Maybe 24, a little bit repeating. They're exalted for a little while. Well, I think long. the wicked man does wicked things, and they've got a brief triumph, and then they're brought down. It's probably a little bit harder, Section 2, just to grasp. Some, sometimes they're a little easier for us to understand than others. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Newberry Standard, it's translated as God's the one that's wronging the barren woman. And he drags off the valiant. And he rises, but no one has assurance of life. I think he means the wicked person. It's capitalized. Well, that's because of the beginning of a phrase. No, in 22 it's not. That's right. Oh. Hmm. Well, right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it's so in that way it would be the opposite of the first half of the, that section. Or or maybe they're just similar, you know, the the wicked are insignificant, they're you know short time and their shield swallows them up and then He's saying, but God does the same thing for the poor widow, and he does the same thing with the valiant man, and they're all, you know, they're exalted for a little while, and they're gone. That would be compared or similar to 19. So, I don't know if it's possible that he's saying, uh, yeah, God treats them all alike, the well, it's a difficult passage, so it may be hard to say what's possible and what's not. Mm -hmm. But, I, I, you know, I mean, I think we're on solid ground that he sees them as being insignificant and, you know, they're exalted for a little while in verse 24, and then they're gone. I do think that is at least one of the things he's trying to say in this. But that's challenging, so I'll let you... Mull that over and tell me when you figure it out. So. How about chapter 25? 
Then Bildad the Shuhite answered, Dominion and awe belong to him who establishes 